I think, first of all, I just want to say how much we've appreciated joining you over these last few weeks. Um, Jules was really sweet. She sent me a message the first week that I joined you. She said, are you okay? Because, you know, I noticed you're a bit weepy. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that is just so kind of moving to be with all of you at this time. So, um, yeah, thank you. It's been really lovely. And Hannah asked if I would um, share a little bit, some thoughts about um, service. But service in the context of being um, a spiritual discipline or a formational Christian practice, if you like. So something that actually does its work in us. Um, so the first question, I suppose, is can things that we do for other people do something in us at the same time? Um, and I think the, the answer is yes. When we are serving others and doing things for other people, it can do something in us at the same time, but it does depend on how we engage it because there are many ways that we engage service. Um, so background on us, um, I'm guessing that nearly all of you know who we are, but um, anyway, um, for those of you who don't, we went to Mozambique back in um, 98 um, and we'd been part of, of the church um, part of you guys for about four or five years at that point, I think. Um, and we went to Mozambique to help serve churches and church leaders. And we were there for um, just about four years. And then we moved to South Africa and um, we were there to serve small teams that were doing mission work around Africa. Um, and then nearly seven years ago, we came to Spain to help serve North Africans here and in their homes in, in North Africa. So lots of service in that, if you like. Um, but how much of that service changed me, I suppose, is my question in the context of our talk this morning. Um, and there are lots of reasons why we, you know, you and I go and serve. Um, and it and it's, can all be a bit kind of complicated can't it like our motivations we don't always stop and think about what our motivations are um but for sure there's um there's some adventure in serving there can be i think um you know this kind of radical sense of self-denial you know hardcore christianity um there's this sense of adventure in that and, and there's nothing wrong with that that's good um i think when we first went to mozambique there was this you know we were living in a place with no running water no electricity and um my predominant feeling, honestly, was it was an adventure. So how much formation happened in that adventurous place? Well, some for sure, but um, maybe not as much as at other times in my life. Um, we can also serve because we like to be recognized as someone who's servant hearted. You know, that's I think deep inside us, there's a, a motivation for being recognized and something to do with our reputation. Um, again, the service itself is great, but are we changed by that kind of service? Maybe not as much as at other times in our lives, right? Um, and sometimes I think we can serve because we, we want the, the results of our service to be good, which of course is a really good motivation, but kind of like we, we want to see some saving happening, you know? And so that's part of our motive as well. So 
I just want to acknowledge at the beginning of, of our talk together that not all service is by nature formational in us. Um, because as we go out and serve in the world and we're, and we're called to be people who serve others and walk alongside others, we can be very good at keeping our own boundaries. You know, I, I can be quite boundaried in my sense of how much energy I want to give, how much self-control I'm willing to give up. Um, I mean, control of my own time and schedule. Um, so I'm not necessarily um, opening myself up to a sort of an emptying of myself just because I'm serving. Does that make sense? And, and in the midst of serving, we can very much maintain our own sense of being right or our own sense of um, things needing to be our way. Um, so serving in itself is not necessarily formational. I suppose that's, that's where I need to start. Um, um, that doesn't mean that the service that we do for all those different reasons is not worthwhile. It, it is worthwhile and it benefits others. Um, so yeah, that's not to, to diss service in itself. All service is great for other people. Is all service formational in me? No, not necessarily. So um, I could talk about our years in, in overseas mission and our service in that sense. But as I prepared for this talk, I really felt as if God was inviting me to talk about a different kind of service I've been engaged in for about 18 years. I honestly believe that, um, that the way that God has been with me and engaged with me in the context of my parenting um, has been an invitation into a process of formation. Now, not all of us who are here are parents <laughs> um, and not all of us are married, but there are, um, as, I'm, as I'm going through this, maybe you can think about your own contexts where God's invited you into a place of service that has, um, has been a place of formation for you. It's invited you to change. It's um, kind of rubbed the rough corners off you um, in some ways that are not always comfortable. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the way parenting has done that for me. Um, but before I do that, I, I really wanted to kind of frame out my own understanding of formation and the Christian life and kind of where, when we talk about spiritual disciplines, where those things sit in our understanding of what it means to be followers of Jesus. Um, so kind of what is the point of being a Christian and how does it all work? You know, I think when I was growing up, I, I, the sense of what it meant to be a Christian that I took on board was we all need saving. Um, we say yes to Jesus. Woohoo, we're saved. And then um, as I move forward, any behavior in me that seems to look as though my kind of pre-saved version of me if it still looks like that, then I need saving again. So I need to say yes to Jesus again and get saved again. So there's this kind of um, very childlike understanding that, made, that caused me to think that once I'd said yes to Jesus, I was automatically going to be different. Um, and so it took me into this cycle of um, 
behavior that was was kind of let's say old behavior <laughs> and so then i would um feel the need i would be convicted i'd feel the need to repent um and um then i'd kind of start again and then it would all happen again and i'd feel really ashamed and think that i need sa needed saving again that was my childish understanding of the christian life and i think as i've um you know gotten older and moved moved forward i've realized that the biblical understanding of what it means to be a follower of jesus is that we we're saved by the work of jesus applied to our lives but we're also being saved we're working out our salvation in our everyday lives and we do that through the empowering presence of the holy spirit and the support of the people around us so in relationship with god and people we continue to work out our salvation and paul said to the philippians didn't he continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it's god who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose so god is working in you but you're working out your salvation and then in um in ephesians chapter four just kind of paraphrasing a bunch of stuff that paul says there he says i urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received and then he says make every effort to live this life to each one of us grace has been given so grace is like the empowering presence of god to do what you can't do for yourself and will grow to become mature but you've been taught to put off your old self and to be made new put on the new self so there's this there's this um combined work of our effort <laughs> our determined um, working out our salvation with the the empowering of the Holy Spirit to do in us what we can't do ourselves. So you know, Paul talks about putting to death and putting off and putting on, and this is what putting off and putting on kind of looks like in practice. It, it's these sorts of spiritual disciplines or practices that we engage in in our lives, and service is one of those things. Um, so I guess I I wanted. To, because I'd grown up thinking spiritual disciplines are kind of like something that you do and you get really good at doing them. So you can kind of get this check mark against your name when it comes to being a good Christian. <laughs> and I think I've come so much to appreciate them in a different way, which is there are certain ways in which I need to be changed. And at certain times in my life, I become aware of particular ways in which God is inviting me to change. And so there are, there are practices which might help me in that particular season of my life to strengthen myself in the place where I'm weak. Um, and the goal of these spiritual practices or spiritual disciplines is not to become experts in them. <laughs> it's to use them to grow us up. Um, so it's like choosing a weight in the gym because I, I really, I recognize that I really need to work this particular part of my body at this time in my life. And so that's how I use and apply the spiritual disciplines in my own life. Um, so we're repeatedly doing something that is reforming us. And parenting, <laughs> to go back to that, has been called service of small people the ministry of small things um uh, richard foster talks about service in in the pdf that i think hannah sent out 
um, as the many little deaths of going beyond ourselves. And for me, parenting has been the place where I'm invited to go beyond myself and I'm faced with my own um, limitations in engaging in that. Um, so it's kind of like, as Richard Raw calls it, you practice dying before you die. <laughs> and I think parenting service is one of those places where we get to practice dying before we die. Um, and I, when I talk about dying in that sense, I'm talking about, um, about it in the way that John did when he said, um, well, this is quoted in John. Um, Listen carefully, this is Jesus. Unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground, dead to the world, it is never any more than a grain of wheat. But if it's buried, it sprouts and reproduces itself many times over. In the same way, anyone who holds on to life just as it is destroys that life. But if you let it go, reckless in your love, you'll have it forever, real and eternal. So I, I want to invite you this morning to think about what are those places in your life where you know that there's a kind of dying that you're being invited to. There's a kind of letting go of life in the way that it is so that it can be buried and produce more fruit. Um, for me, over the years, parenting has caused me to become aware of what spiritual writers call disordered desires. <laughs> um, so um, if purity of heart is to desire Jesus above all else, God above all else, then disordered desires are all the things that we desire that get in the way of desiring him and his life. So the, dis the disordered desires in my life have been my desire to control my own life. I want to do things the way I want to do things. I want to be in control of my timing. I want to do things in my way. Um, I also recognize the desire for people to think well of me. And so that means I want them to think well of my kids in the context of parenting. So you find yourself approaching your kids to get them to look well in front of other people, nothing to do with the kids themselves. It brings to light a disordered desire. Um, the desire to be successful. And I think in service, when we talk about service, the desire to be successful weaves its way in there. We want to make a visible difference so we can be seen to be successful. And sometimes the Lord takes us into seasons where we see nothing, no fruit of what we're doing at all. And somehow it's this opportunity to die to this desire to be seen as successful. Um, I became aware of things that I didn't want or desire. So I didn't want to spend myself on behalf of others. I wanted to keep some stuff in reserve for me, my energy, my time, my alone time. I wanted to keep things in reserve for myself. Um, I didn't want to be hidden. I didn't want to be of no reputation. I didn't want to go into a season where people saw me as primarily as a mother instead of all the other things that I could do, you know? There was an invitation from the Lord in that to, to allow him to reform those places in me on the inside. 
I didn't want to put others and other people's needs ahead of my own. Don't know if you've ever felt like that. Is it just me? <laughs> Don't want to put other, need, other people's needs ahead of your own. And for me, it was especially my need for sleep. No, I do not want, I remember those early days with babies. I very much wanted my sleep. And, you know, it's a practical way that the Lord gets our attention. And so with all of that, I could say, I didn't want to risk dying. I didn't want to risk dying. I didn't want to risk laying my life down for these small people. Um, and service, parenting, as I'm talking about it in this context, um, but for, for you, whatever particular thing you're thinking of this morning in terms of service, it gives us an opportunity to look full in the mirror and see ourselves as we really are. And it's not always comfortable. I think that's what service can do for us. I also became aware that I had a distorted image of God in the sense that I, I was operating from a, a place of scarcity, if you like. Like I wasn't really believing that God was overwhelmingly good and he could be overwhelmingly good to me as I poured myself out for others. Um, so sometimes these places in our lives which kind of open up a place of awareness of ourselves before God, they reveal to us that we don't actually think about God in the way that we thought we thought about him. And for me, um, there've been many, many occasions where the Lord has invited me into a place of deeper trust as he's revealed himself to me as truly good in whatever circumstance. And even when I feel as though I'm kind of, you know, dying in inverted commas. Um, and finally, the third thing that I feel um, parenting service has revealed to me is a, is a, a repeated um, line that goes through my mind that reveals a place of deception in my heart. Um, and I think, I actually think we all have one of these. We all have this, this phrase that comes to us under, when we're under pressure. Um, and for me, that phrase was, you've got to do this on your own. Don't expect anyone to help you. That's a, that's a lie, because I haven't got to do it on my own. For one thing, I'm married. For the second thing, I'm in community. For a, third, for a third thing, I have the help of the Holy Spirit constantly available to me. But that's a, that's a deception of the enemy. You've got to do this on your own and kind of suck it up. No one's going to help you sort of thing. And it comes from obviously, you know, brokenness in childhood and so on. But I think we all have those things. So pay attention to those repeated lines that come to you because they're invitations from God to do a work of reformation in our hearts. Um, there are things that need to be undone in us so that the Lord can do his work in us. That's reflecting of true truth if you like um so how do we engage all of this in as a process of reformation um we know that we need to work out our salvation and we know that we do that in the these ordinary places of everyday life but but how you know are we just kind of aware of what's wrong and somehow kind of help lord or can we actually do something can we engage in a way 
where we're we're consciously, intentionally working out our salvation in, in our day-to-day. -day. And I think we can. And so a couple of examples that I wanted to leave with you from my experience of parenting in particular. Um, one is um, a breath prayer. So just kind of wave your hand around if you are familiar with breath prayer as a practice. So very simply, a breath prayer is, is a short phrase that you might that you would be able to say um, inside yourself, not, not out loud, because it's to do with your breathing. So you're breathing, not speaking. But as you're, as, as you're breathing out, you're aware of one phrase, and as you breathe in, you're aware of another. So for example, in this context, I might stop in the middle of my crazy day where um, I'm really aware that parenting is kind of pushing all of my buttons, and, um, and I might just, as I breathe in, I say, the Lord is my shepherd. And as I breathe out, I have everything I need. And this, this goes against this deception that's going through my mind in that very moment. You're on your own. You better suck it up, you know? No, the Lord is my shepherd as I breathe in. And as I breathe out, I have everything I need. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. And for me, breath press, you can choose any phrase that is just these two short phrases that you could um, remind yourself of, of as you breathe in and as you breathe out. And, and during the day, as you, when you become aware of your need, when you become aware of your desire to um, remind yourself that you're in the presence of God constantly, you could just bring that breath prayer to mind. And for a few in-breaths and a few out-breaths, you could pray a scripture or another prayer that the Lord has put on your heart that, be, that by its very repetition is forming something in your heart. So for me, that has often been, the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. Um, so much of our Christian journey is about us growing in awareness and creating intentional moments of becoming conscious of the presence of God with us. And breath prayers are one of the ways that I have personally found helpful. Um, and the second way, just to mention, is the prayer of examine. Again, wave your arm around if you're familiar with that. <clears throat> so the prayer of examine is a, it was developed by, um, by a Jesuit priest in the 1500s. And it's become part of church tradition, especially more traditional um, context than our own. Um, uh, and it's simply a way of reflecting um, at the end of the day, taking a few minutes to reflect. Um, what, what were the times today where I acted out of love? That I could say my motivation was love and just make a note of those things or even mentally or on a journal in a journal <clears throat> and then what were the times today where i didn't act out of love so there was something else that was motivating me it maybe it was self-protection maybe it was um irritability but what were those moments where i wasn't acting out of love and just in those few moments at the end of the day to bring those things before the lord and um turn from the, the unloving things and ask for his help for the, for the day to come, uh, for the following day, that, that more of my actions will come from a place of love.
Um, and over time, and it's a very simple practice, but over time, again, it cultivates an awareness so that even when you're not in the midst of journaling and praying at the end of the day, just for a few minutes, um, maybe when you're in the midst of washing up or making lunch or clearing up yet another mess, <laughs> that what comes to mind is, am I going to act love in this place um, and quickly Lord help me help me to act out of love in this place um, so I think there are practices that we can make part of our everyday that grow us in our awareness of ourselves our awareness of God with us and his desire to be reforming us in our ordinary everyday moments so um, I honestly think as I think about a life of service, it's not um, it's not the headlines that we about. And those are good things. The things that bless other people, the things that cause growth in other people, they're, they're good things. But the things that I would tend not to include in a newsletter are those moments of um, relational irritation maybe where god is inviting me by his spirit to do things in another way to think in a different way to speak in a different way um so i think service can be that place that pushes on on our stuff <laughs> pushes on our buttons in a way that gets our attention um and in those places we can be inviting the holy spirit to um be empowering us to make different choices than the ones we would naturally make. Um, has anybody seen this book? I'm just going to close with a prayer from this book. It's called Every Moment Holy. Has anybody seen it? And it's a book of sort of prayer poems um, for ordinary moments. And I found one that's called um, For a Fleeting Irritation. <laughs> and I really like that because I think in a life of service, in a life of relationship, in a life of, um, you know, sort of rubbing, rubbing alongside other people, we have many moments of fleeting irritation. So I'm going to read this just to close here um, as a way of reminding us that even moments of irritation can become moments of formation in us. <clears throat> I bring to you, Lord, my momentary irritation that you might reveal the buried seed of it, not in the words or actions of another person, but in the withered and hypocritical expectations of my own small heart. Uproot from this impoverished soil all arrogance and insecurity that would prompt me to dismiss or disdain others, judging them with a less generous measure than I reckon when judging myself prune away the tangled growth of my own unjustified irritations, Jesus, and graft to my heart instead your humility, your compassion, your patience, your kindness, that I might bear good fruit in keeping with your grace. Amen. <laughs>